Hello, church. My name is James, and we will now be reading today's passage from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Please follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is the reading of God's word. This week... um I was able to spend some time down in Southern California with my family. Uh, I was not scheduled to preach, so it was a good time of reflection for me. I was able to kind of think through everything that uh, you know, we've been going through myself personally, just reflecting back on all the blessings that God has given us, our church, uh, and it was uh, just a wonderful time to just kind of look back. And um, you know, so it was a very non-stressful week. You know, I, just, I was at home, my, my mom was like cutting fruit and like shoving it in my mouth, you know, and um, meals were always provided and, and ready. Uh, my children, I can just kind of uh, let loose and let them do whatever they want so my mom can kind of take care of them. And so it was a very relaxing week. Uh, and then uh, yesterday night, uh, Pastor Eugene, he messaged me and he said, hey, um, I have COVID. So I said, oh, okay, I got to preach then. So, um, so all that stress, free week, it, it just it was all accumulated into the last like four hours of last night. So but God is, God is good, right? He is sovereign. He is in control because initially we weren't even planning on driving back up until, you know, tomorrow after New Year's, but uh, it was going to rain. So I was like, ah, let's beat the weather. So luckily I'm here. And so I'm glad that you guys are able to join us. But as today is the last day of the year 2023, um, I wanted to kind of give you a little preview of what to expect on your social media feeds for the next 12 hours. Okay. There's going to be a lot of pictures of kids and infants, right? And, um, and then there's going to be a lot of, uh, like a picture collage of, of trips that people took to like Hawaii and Korea. Like everyone went to Hawaii, Korea, and Japan this, week, this year. I don't know why, right? There's going to be pictures of, of weddings and bachelor parties and bachelorette parties and, and photos, uh, you know, that you guys all took with B-list celebrities somewhere, right? And, you know, there's going to be, a, you know, it's kind of like, you know, for those that want to present like their holy side, they might post like a, a church conference they went to or maybe like an outing with their community group, a lot of activities of, of their hobbies and activities that people are into. But most importantly, the captions are all going to be the same, right? It's going to be like, wow, 2023, not the year I was expecting, but the, the year that God has blessed me with, you know, and like looking forward to 2024, right? Or as 2023 is coming to a close, I'm so thankful, you know, like that kind of stuff, right? It's, it's all the same general captions that you will see, right? And, and uh, you know, not, not to deter anyone, like maybe you've already have your post and reels queued up and you're waiting for like the exact moment where you're going to get the most foot traffic, right? Uh, and, and so I, hopefully I'm not deterring you. I'm not calling it out or anything like that. But just, just you know, just to know that what, that's what we're expecting, right? And, and the reality in our time now is that we've, we've turned uh, this idea of reflecting back over the years into just purely uh, a, an Instagram post or, or, or just a, a highlight reel of our, of our pictures and our videos. And, and, and I think we've really lost the um, importance and the value of thinking back of like really spending time and reflecting and, and, and really processing what has God pros- uh, you know, given us throughout the past year? Uh, what has happened to us? What, what are things that we've grown in? What are things that we've failed in? 
Um, and for others, perhaps even just the idea or, or the thought of reflecting back in the past year is very difficult, just because of the very painful time that you have experienced, right? And, and the, even just the idea of, of thinking about it or posting about it is a very painful and difficult uh, idea, right? The, you know, just, and even just thinking, like, like, how can you tell someone who's had the hardest year of their life to just look forward to the new year, right? Uh, to, to have new plans or, or, or to have New Year's resolutions, right? The, the idea of a fresh start is, is only helpful if you're not in the depths of, of a difficult situation, right? It, especially when you feel like it's impossible to take yourself out of a, a pit. And there, there really is no relief for someone who feels like there is no hope. And so, you know, just kind of thinking about the new year, um, there are people who might be thinking there is no light at the end of the tunnel, or I, I don't see a solution to what I'm going through, or I, I don't know how God can help me, or, or perhaps even God has failed me throughout this year. And now the answer to that, the answer might sound cliche, but in the coming new year, um, we will not be able to find purpose and hope until we are able to humbly recognize the sovereignty of God in our lives. Right? Embracing God's sovereignty as we reflect upon the year 2023 will give us the proper perspective as we take 2024 one day at a time. So embracing and making sense of God's sovereignty will require us to have humility to acknowledge our limitations. It will then lead us to be able to enable us to surrender our plans to God in our lives. And lastly, it helps us to understand that our life's purpose is really striving to live a, a life of daily obedience to Him. So first, I think it's very important for us to humbly acknowledge our limitations as human beings. Uh, one thing that I'm reminded of this year is just how many of us uh, need to learn a kind of, we got, we got to learn to stop taking ourselves so seriously, right? Um, and I'm talking to myself as well, right? Uh, and, and I'm all for believing in yourself and having the proper and healthy level of self-confidence uh, no one should be a doormat and, and you know, like too much self-deprecation uh, can come off as disingenuous and maybe a little bit unattractive, right? Uh, but I also believe that what is more dangerous is when we think too highly of ourselves, uh, especially in our own minds, and we believe that the people around us should also think very highly of us, right? Um, you know, we live in kind of the LinkedIn culture of putting all of our accomplishments online for everyone to see. Uh, it's, it's, it's just out there online in the, in the internet, right? And it's, and it's not like, and it, that in itself is not a bad thing, but I, I believe slowly it's really created an attitude and a culture of self-importance and arrogance, right? We, we think we are better than we really are. And oftentimes because of this, it's caused in us an attitude where we think that we can pretty much do anything on our own. Now, uh, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is a cognitive bias in which some individuals with very low ability and skill at a particular task overestimate their ability. Uh, this bias arises due to a lack of self-awareness and inability to recognize their own incompetence. Right? So in simpler terms, people with limited knowledge or skills in a particular area tend to believe they are more competent than they truly are. Uh, this effect is named after psychologists David Dunning and Justin Kruger who first described this syndrome in 1999 on a study called Unskilled and Unaware of It, How Difficulties in Recognizing One's Own Incompetence Leads to Inflated Self-Assessments. Now, as I'm kind of describing this, I'm sure every single one of you had someone in mind, right? Whether it's a coworker, uh, a manager, 
maybe a friend or someone that you just kind of know. Um, and, you know, as a gol- like every golfer I know suffers from Dunning-Kruger effect, right? They, they think they're a lot better than they are, right? Or at least when they tell me what their handicap is, and then I see them play. Um, anyways, I also suffer from that. But even, even the fact that the first people that we think about when we think about this Dunning-Kruger effect is not ourselves, but someone else, really tells us that to a certain degree, we all struggle or we all suffer through this idea of thinking very highly of ourselves, thinking that we are a lot better than we actually are. And, and it's really kind of this, I, the culture that we grew up in, right? We, we're all told, hey, you, you can achieve anything, right? And especially if you are, are children of immigrants, uh, you know, our parents immigrated here and they told, hey, we moved all the way over here so that you can accomplish big and great things. You know, uh, you know and, and the idea of like everyone gets a participation award. And, and for many of us, if you are not f- originally from the Bay Area, but you've moved up here for work and career, that was the idea to come to the Silicon Valley and, and, and to hit it big or, or to achieve great things or, or to, you know, live a, a good and comfortable life. And especially with the invention of the internet, we've all become experts in things that we know very little about. Right? There's so many people that will watch one YouTube video or you know, read one article or you know, just one TikTok video and think, oh, I know everything that I need to know about something, right? Uh, even for myself, like, I am not a handy person at all, but once I uh, you know, figured out that, oh, I can look things up on YouTube and I can do things myself, um, like, I-, I thought I was like, you know, uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Is that, are you guys too young for that? No? Okay. You guys know, you guys get that reference? Dang, dang, I'm, I'm old. You know, but it's, it's easy, right? You, you watch a YouTube video, you read one article, and all of a sudden, I, I am like a political mind, right? I, I read, I, I watch one video, and now I know like, oh, man, like politics, like, uh, yeah, this is, bi- this is bad, this is good. You know, like, I feel like I, I, I can, uh, you know, foretell the economic future just because I watch, you know, I follow one uh, TikTok person, you know? who might be somewhat famous in this room, right? You just, you just kind of do, do all that kind of stuff, right? And, and the reality is, is that there's different stages of this effect. First, it's called the unconscious incompetence, where individuals lack the necessary skill or knowledge in a specific domain, but they are unaware of their incompetence. They're unaware. They, they think they know it all. Next is conscious incompetence. As individuals start to acquire some knowledge, they become aware of their lack of skill or understanding. And this is the important part. Like, once you start acquiring some knowledge, then you start becoming aware of the fact that maybe you are not all that. Uh, I, I've been a big fan of mixed martial arts, so I've, I've been watching combat sports for, you know, uh, for over 20 years. And whenever I watch sports, I'm like, what is that guy doing? Like, why doesn't he just stand up? Or why doesn't he, like, put more effort? Like, oh, he, he, like, he sucks. Or, you know, like, oh, why would he put himself in that position? You know, I would be like a commentator, right? Thinking that, you know, like, that I'm a fighter or something. Uh, my kids started jujitsu about a year ago, and, and my membership came with that plan. So I started doing it. And the first time I did jujitsu, I was just like, on the, I, was like oh, I couldn't do anything, right? And I, the, at that point, I realized, oh, once you start gaining a little bit of knowledge in a certain field, you realize, oh, I'm actually not as good as I thought I was. And I think that is a very important lesson in life that we all need to learn. Next is conscious competence. It says, with further learning and experience, individuals become competent in a given area. They are now aware of their competence. And I think the older we get, the more we live life, the more we begin to trust God in his sovereignty, the fact that 
he is the one in control and, and we are, are, are really just finite beings, is when we start coming to the uh, understanding that we really are not in control, that we are really just but a breath. We are, we are, we are beings that are so in need of a God of the cosmos, an infinite being that is infinitely good. And this is what James is talking about here in this passage. Now, one thing that I love about James and, and his book is that he is just a straight shooter. He's not trying to wow us with theology and, and like, uh, you know, immaculate vocabulary. He's not trying to seem like he is, hey, I'm Jesus's brother, so like I got to act, you know, all like nice and or, you know, just smart and intelligent. No, he, he just tells it like it is in everyday terms so that people can understand. And he, and, he, and he says, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And he says this, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Right? Just in that verse, James describes the limitations of our abilities by showing us just how brief our lives are in the grand scheme of things. Right? We, we think of ourselves, our, our lives as so important. We, we think that we are, are here to make a mark or, or to do grand things or, or, or we, you know, just to kind of uh, achieve greatness and, you know, like, and self-actualization when in reality, in the grand scheme of things, we are nothing but a speck of dust, a mist that appears and then vanishes. We look at our lives and we tell ourselves that we have the potential to achieve great things then we get to a point of our lives where we have come to the inevitable realization that perhaps our lives are ordinary at best. And that's not a bad thing. That realization is part of understanding who we are in light of how God has created us. That realization is the reality that our potential and promise that we thought we had when we were younger, it dies quickly with age and turns into regret and what ifs. He says, what is your life? Why do you take yourself so seriously? Compared to an infinite God, our time here on earth is but a mist that appears for no more than a little moment. And acknowledging that limitation, acknowledging that we are but a speck in a, in a timeline that is so long, that requires humility and will ultimately lead us to a healthier attitude and perspective on life. And I think that is why it is so important for us to reflect back in the past year or past years, to be honest with what has occurred, to be honest with our shortcomings, to be honest with, with our failures and, and, and the fact that there are certain things that we cannot control. And when we come to that place of humility, uh, we are able to then surrender our plans to a God that is sovereign and to a God that is in control. Once we come to that realization that we are limited and finite beings, we'll have the ability to surrender to God our plans. Now, I love um, chapter 4, verse 15 in the passage that we read because James, he takes a very complicated theological topic and explains it in a very matter-of-fact and practical way to a point where even, even a young child will be able to understand this, right? He says, you have all these plans, but that is foolish, you do not know what tomorrow brings. What is, your, what is life? It is something that vanishes in a moment. That's what he basically says. 
So he says, instead, you ought to tell yourself, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. He's saying, what is the plan that humans have? You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know what, what's going to happen even if you hit all your benchmarks, even if you do everything right according to what people have told you, you might have followed a plan. You might have done everything in your high school life, in your college. You might have done everything correctly, and yet you don't know what tomorrow brings. Anything can happen in a, in a blink of an eye. But he says, instead, you ought to tell yourself, if the Lord wills, then we will live and do this or that. And James leaves it as generally, like general as possible so that there's no question that everything in this world and everything that we experience is held up only by the will of God. He didn't give a specific example because then, you know, we as humans, we love to explain things away to, make, to justify our own thoughts and our own actions, but he left it as general as possible. He's saying everything. You think you're going to be able to do this and that? He literally says this and that, Right? You think you can do this? You think you can do that? He's like, no, only according to the will of God. So you have plans for your children to achieve great things. You have dreams of achieving great things at work or a desire to start a company and be a big success. You want to plant a church, have a different set of culture, help a lot of people and be respected. Say, like, no, it's, you can have those plans. But unless God wills it, it will be for nothing. Now, let me be absolutely clear. This is not saying that we should not plan, and this is not saying that we should have ambition. I think we should absolutely have those things. This is not to say that we shouldn't dream, and this is definitely not saying that working hard and following the course is meaningless. You know, coming up with New Year's resolutions and having goals is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. All those things are good. But in the, but in the case that things do not work out, or in the case where a wrench is thrown into the mix, we must cling to the reality and to the truth that God is sovereign. And that the, plan, the plans that we have do not bind God to our plans. He is the one that blesses our plans. Or he is the one that changes the course of our plans. He is the one that controls all things to make sure that we are exactly where he desires us to be. I have a little poster of a, of a proverb uh, in my house, and it's Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. It says, many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We all have plans. We all have desires. But it is God's purpose that will stand the test of time. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I, I, I think about... Even, even now at this age, but especially when I was younger, I had all these plans, right? I thought, uh, you know, I, I knew exactly where I was going to go with my life. And I would always tell my friends, man, your lives would be so much better and easier if you just did exactly what I told you to do, right? Because I thought I was wise, you know? It, but if, if I, if, and looking back in my life, if everything happened according to my plans, my life would not be as good as it is now, for sure, Right? Definitely be married, married to the wrong person, right? Uh, my job, I would not have this job. Sometimes I might wonder, maybe that might have been better. I, I just, you know, you, 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 still, you still question, right? But think about this. We as human beings, we are here, if we're lucky, 80, 90 years. 
and compare that to an infinite God who knows all things, how dare we say to him, I know exactly what needs to be done in my life? How dare we question some of the things that occurs, even painful events? I think about my children. My youngest is, is, you know, almost five years old, and, um, you know, he, he tells me what to do or he tells me, like, what's be- best for him, and I'm like, you don't know anything, right? You don't know anything. Now, imagine God who created all things, and here we are telling him, no, these are my plans, God. I want to make sure that I'm married at 28, career is, is, is accomplished and going well, and then I'll have kids at 32, and then after that, like, we'll have a house, and, you know, like, and then we'll get, you know, you know two cars and a picket fence, and, and then my kids will go to Stanford, and then, you know, one will go to Berkeley, you know, just for the, you know, the, the rivalry at home, you know, and like, you know, we have all these plans, and, go, and, and the person I want to marry has got to be at least, you know, six feet tall, you know, I got to be able to go to places with him in my heels, or, you know, you think, oh, I want my, my wife to be, you know, they, they, we have all these lists and things that we think are, are, are right and good. And ultimately, God looks and he kind of he laughs the way a parent laughs at young toddlers, at the, just kind of the audacity that we would think that we know better than him. So when we humbly accept our own limitations as human beings, and I think, and I think I'm realizing this as, as I come to middle age and I'm thinking about my midlife crisis, I'm like, oh, like, my body's getting uh, older, like, you know, my, my, my joints are more, like, you know, hurting, and, and my golf ball doesn't go as long as it, used, as it used to, you know, and, like, like I, I get up, and then I could almost get hurt, you know, you know that, that happens, and you understand your limitations, and you realize, oh, compared to a God of the universe, I must learn the discipline of surrendering my plans to Him. 2023 has been a year where God has been trying to get my attention so I can really trust the Lord with all my heart and to not not lean upon my own understanding, but to acknowledge that his ways are straight, right? That's Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Um, And I I wouldn't have known this without the proper reflection, right? But I, uh, you know, thinking back, I realized I ignored signs of, uh, of burnout. I never thought that burnout could happen to me. You know, like I always tell my, you know, again, it's, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? It's like, oh, all these pastors, they experience burnout. All these people in corporate world, they experience burnout. They, they have struggles, but not me, right? Because I'm way too healthy for that, right? I, I, I'm way too self-aware to go through something like that. And, and not to demit, de- belittle what they were going through. I was like, oh, that's real. I, I acknowledge it. But me, my, my EQ is very high, you know, and, and my self-awareness is, is really good. Like how self-unaware could it, must I have been? to think that, right? And, 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 you know, once I start kind of experiencing some of the effects of burnout, I was like, why is this happening to me? You know, and I started questioning the momentum of, of what we were trying to build pre-COVID. It, you know, it was, it was abruptly stopped by the pandemic. And then, you know, we were able to survive the long period of online church. And, and, and you know, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, we're back in person. And for whatever reason, I'm unable to, to mentally and physically and spiritually uh, run at the same pace that I was previously. You know, I was like, hey, here's the time when we're coming back in person that we need to hit the ground running, that we need to continue to, you know, strive towards our vision, but for some reason, I was unable to do so. And I began asking God, like, why? Why is it this way? Why is it, why is it that the plans that I've had 
had to be stopped abruptly by a global pandemic? Why is it that the plans that I have uh, has to be stopped now by my own physical and spiritual limitations? And in some ways, I, I was pouting, and I felt like, you know, the kid that takes the ball home when he, when he loses a game, you know? It's like, no, it's my ball. I'm going home, you know? Like, and and I, I realized it's, it's really understanding that his ways are higher than my ways, that his thoughts are greater than my thoughts. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, that's exactly what it says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, this might be very difficult to hear for some, and it might even sound very flippant and offensive coming from me. You might be going through the difficulties of layoffs, searching for a job, afraid of the future, worried about the medical news of your loved ones, the health of, of your children, the health of your parents. Perhaps you are struggling through watching just the difficulties and the angst of loved ones, and, and there's nothing that you feel like you can do. And the idea of surrendering to God when it feels like he is not acting or doing anything seems like it is a pointless thing. But it is in those very moments when we feel overwhelmed. It is in those very moments when we feel like, can I really trust God through this? It seems like he's not acting. It is those very moments that we must cling to his sovereignty, to embrace the understanding and idea that he is the God of the universe in control of all things, that his ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than ours. That, that truth is the only reason why I can say that I'm still in ministry. Okay, this, is, this truth is the only reason why I can say that I'm, I, I didn't completely fall into the depths of despair. This is the only reason why I can still stand up here and, and preach God's word to you and, and, and to, to share with you our, the vision of our church and where we are headed because I believe completely in God's sovereignty that he is the one who causes all things to work together for our good, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, for some of you, I understand the real pain of what you might be going through. The idea that you are absolutely helpless and there's nothing that you feel like you can do anymore to get the results that you are hoping for. I've shared this many times, uh, but when my son, uh, my middle son was, was going through a neurological disorder, it, it just, it, it, it broke me. I, there was nothing that I could do to, to help him. There was nothing that I could do to, to feel like I, I could get things back in control. And it was at that moment where all I can do was surrender to God that if this is your will, then this is your will. Lastly, when we are able to surrender our plans to God, to his sovereignty, um, then we must live a life of obedience in light of that sovereignty. See, the beginning of surrender, it, it, it happens when we are able to live in obedience in our daily lives. I think that's super important. Oftentimes, we just kind of say these cliche Christian terms like surrendering our lives to God or surrendering our plans to God. What does that actually mean? It means that we are you know, able to obey God in the little things. 
to obey God in the things that we know that he's called us to, right? If you've grown up in the church uh, or if, if it's someone that, you know, if you're someone that identifies as Christian or a disciple of Jesus, uh, then you, you somewhat know what you ought to do because of everything that has been taught to you. But most importantly, if you are a Christian, uh, you, you know what you ought to do because the Holy Spirit resides in us. And, and through our conscience, he, he gives us, uh, he leads us to, to what God desires out of our lives. And I found that what happens is that we seek obedience when we want something instead of seeking obedience purely for the sake of obedience, right? And, and that's just the very nature of us as human beings, right? And especially the way that we've been raised, uh, we are taught like, hey, if you do this, I'll give you Robux, right? Or like, hey, if you, you want Robux, then you got to be good, you know? Or hey, you want candy, then you better eat your dinner, you know? Like, hey, you want, uh, uh, you know, you, you want a pager, then you better get, do, you know, good get good grades. You know, like those are all things that, that we're taught in. And, and, and because of that, we look at our relationship with God in that same sort of light. That is, if we, once we want something, then we better act good. You know, my, my kids, once I tell them, hey, I'll give you Robux, then they start, like, they start behaving. They're different, they're different children, right? They should just obey me because I'm, I'm their dad, right? But that doesn't happen. In the same way that we don't obey God purely out of obedience, but instead because we want something from him. But when we are able to obey purely for the sake of obedience, then it really doesn't matter what circumstances come our way. Because it is not a, a contractual obligation. It's a relationship of love. It's a relationship where we do things because we love and respect our God. So today, I'm just going to give some practical applications to what this means. Number one, I think in order for us to really think about the limitations of our lives, we must spend time really processing and reflecting um, throughout the past year, not just the highlights, uh, but even the lowlights, right? Like I mentioned before, I, I think our, our, our discipline and the value of really processing and reflecting has, has gone away to just one Instagram post or maybe a story or, or maybe even just nothing, right? We, we numb ourselves from the things that we've experienced in the past because maybe it's too painful. Maybe we only want to highlight or we only want to focus on the things that were good. But, but a life is a life. It's all about balance. Our life's not always good and it's not always bad. There's a, there's a fine balance, and I think it's very important for us to reflect and focus and process on that. Take time, maybe alone. Take time, maybe in the evening. Take time to, to really journal or think, what has God shown us? What has God shown me throughout this year? Why did he put me through certain situations? Why did he bless me with this? Why did he take certain blessings away? And we start seeing the sovereignty of God in our lives. Next, I believe it's important for us to practice the discipline of surrender through active and consistent prayer. You know, praying is, is not so that we can mold God's will to our will. Praying helps us to form our will to align with His. And the reality is, is for me, um, being a very, feeling like a very self-sufficient person, it's very difficult to pray because prayer seems like oftentimes a waste of time. It seems like just something that I'm doing to, to check off the list that I've done it. But the reality is, is praying is an opportunity for our hearts to be connected to the will of God. An opportunity where we're able to share with Him our thoughts and our hopes and our plans and, and for Him to respond back to us through the Spirit to show us 
that he is the one in control. And let me ask you guys a question. Uh, is it too hard for us to spend two minutes every morning and two minutes every night in prayer? I think, I'd even say 10 minutes. You know, when I was, I was like, maybe I'll say five minutes. I'd even say five minutes. Two minutes. In two minutes, we probably go through like four Instagram like reels, right? Like easily. We're just like, you know, like in two minutes is not that long. Is it too hard for, for us to think maybe every morning when we wake up, instead of going to our phones, we could just spend the first two minutes in prayer? And I'm not saying that this has to be a deep theological oratory, like, you know, speech. And even just two minutes, two, like, if you have a hard time sleeping, hey, just pray for two minutes. It's, it's awesome because then you'll fall asleep and you'll pray. Now, is it too hard to ask, ask ourselves that? That we'd be able to spend some time in prayer to surrender our wills to the Lord, that we be aligned with His. Lastly, as you guys think of New Year's resolutions and, and, and whatnot, um, choose one very specific thing that you want to obey God in in 2024. It doesn't have to be a crazy thing. It doesn't have to be that you are going to now become like the greatest evangelist in your company. It's not, you, you know, that you, you're going to, you know, read the whole Bible in three months. You know, like, it doesn't have to be a grand thing. It can be something very specific but very simple. As simple as, I'm going to pray two minutes before I go to sleep and two minutes when I wake up. It could be something as simple as, maybe I'll, I'll start serving now at church. Maybe it's something as simple as, I will read my Bible one verse a day. Or it might even just be something as, as, as simple as, you know what, I'm going to try not to lie as much. I'm going to try to be more patient. I want to be a, a better example for my children. Or I want to be a, more obedient to my parents. Because kids, let me tell you, your parents, you, as uncool as you think they are, they know what they're talking about. You know how I know this? Because when I was your age, I didn't think my parents knew what they were talking about, but they absolutely did know what they were talking about. And they're fobs, you know what I mean? Like, they're Korean, you know, like, you would think, like, they don't know anything, but they actually did know a lot of things, even in a whole new country that they were living in. We must think not in terms of grand achievements for God, but it is the faith in the little daily things that he has called us to, to love one another, to be kind, to be patient, to be understanding, to have the fruit of the Spirit in us, to trust in him, to walk in his light and truth. What is that one thing that perhaps God is instilling in your heart. Let us pray.